Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love. If you're ready to change your life, your finances, and your love life, hiring a coach will dramatically give you results in any area that's important to you. This is season two of Crazy Juicy Love. Why hiring a coach will change your life. So welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast, and I have a real special guest, um, Greg Wheeler. He is a Calling in the One coach. I'm so lucky to have him because he's a part of the Calling in the One program that I was in, and he's already a certified uh, conscious uncoupling coach. Um, So thank you so much, Greg, for being here. Oh, Jimmy, it's an honor. I've been looking Um, forward to this. Yes, me too. I'm so, so excited to... So tell me how um, how did you get into coaching? Like, what called you to be a coach? Like, what was the moment? Oh, that's a great question. So I was working in corporate America. And I think as you and I had talked in the past, I've been a single dad for about 21 years. Mm-hmm. And I reached a point where... I realized how difficult it had been for me to be a single dad and there was very little support and I had to figure out things the hard way. I had to make mistakes and I just realized that there wasn't much support for single dads out there. And it called me to try and make things better for the single dads, but even more importantly for their children. Divorce is difficult enough for the parents and in ways it's even harder for the children. And so by my being available and helping dads and moms to be better co-parents, it creates a much better environment for the children and that's better for everybody. And so how did you even discover the Calling in the One program? Like how did that happen? You know, life works in mysterious ways. Right. Um, I was at a point in my life where I was looking to take on some some more rewarding um, work. And I was actually going through some Kundalini yoga training at the time. Mm-hmm. And right at the time I was finishing the Kundalini yoga training as a teacher, I had a conversation with one of my most admired mentors in the program. And they suggested, have you heard about conscious uncoupling? Okay. And I hadn't. And so sure enough, I went online and I Googled conscious uncoupling. I found Catherine Woodward Thomas. And then I was blown away by what I found. It sounded like a great avenue to be able to connect with and reach out to people in a structured formal way to provide them help not only as single parents but also going through the uncoupling process well i mean i i it was one of the uh, required readings and um i remember reading that book and i was just so blown away of like how like the research and the the tools and the exercises and all these things to help people to have a healthy um breakup and i just was like everybody needs to read this book and um just like 
you know, one of the one of the the, uh, the tools that really stuck out to me, I think it was um, a, a situation happened in, I think it's Hawaii, where the couple, when they uh, was getting a divorce, how they got divorced, I mean, how they got married is how they got divorced. Well, he, you know, they had a whole ceremony for the divorce and then he took her to the airport and they said their goodbyes. I remember, like, I, um, I actually have the uh, audio book and I, as I heard that, I was crying, like how it was like a thank you for this part of my life, this part of my journey, like thanking you and sending them off to the next journey. And so how, how do you apply that to working with like people? Well, I don't know if you even recommend that particular (laughs) exercise, Um, but how do you, how do you work with couples that are in that phase of like phasing out? So it's, it's actually, you asked, in my opinion, it's a very complicated question because it's in the context of what's actually happening between the two right. individuals. And I think one of the things that people lose sight of when they're actually going through an uncoupling is, is that they're angry, they're hurt, mm-hmm. they're broken open, there's broken dreams. And instead of taking a breath and looking inside and saying, how might I have been part of this cause in arriving at this situation? They blame the other person. Mm -hmm. And then that blaming shows up in anxiety and animosity. And then now you're in a downward spiral. spiral. Mm -hmm. So what I love about Catherine's work is that it creates the opportunity to break the spiral, to own how we're at least 50% responsible. (laughs) Catherine says it's only 10% in the book to to at least open up that door. But the reality is, is that we're just about as equally responsible as somebody else. Right. It's, God, I, I was just talking to you one of my close friends who's going to, through a difficult time in his in his marriage. And, and I said to him, and I said, dude, I was like, dude, I was like, the very thing that you two are arguing about is the very thing that is reflecting back to you what you need to work on with yourself. And I was just like, as I was watching them, and I was like, oh my God, they don't even see it. Like, I guess that's the gift of being a coach that you are on the outside with this, like these tools that you're like, oh my God, life is reflecting back to you through this relationship, what you need to work on with yourself. And so like that is, how- That is so beautiful what you just said. I, I think that underneath all of Catherine's teaching is this ability to become sensitive yeah. to how you're projecting out and how life yeah. is actually living through you. And then every relationship is an opportunity to grow because someone is mirroring back how we're showing up. Yeah. And then that's pushing our buttons. <laughs> right. And, and then there's, by, by learning how to be open and sensitive mm-hmm. to how your buttons are getting pushed, all of a sudden it's a growth opportunity. And just to get closure on the question you asked earlier about how to deal with people that are like in that splitting apart phase, when you break that downward spiral of blaming the other person, all of a sudden you can own your part of it 
Mm-hmm. And then you can get in gratitude for what you've shared and created together. Right, right. Because the reality is, is that you've been a foil for each other and you've caused <laughs> each other to grow and you've created children or whatever you've created together. Right. So you can be in gratitude instead of being in anger and frustration. Right. And, you know, I know you're very focused on men and me too. I know you, your book, um, Dad Essentials. And, um, because you work with a lot of men, correct? Or you that's your ultimate goal? I, actually, I'm I'm an equal opportunity coach. So, okay. Right. So, so I work with... The interesting thing about my book, Single Dad Essentials, the 12 most important things single dads need to know, is, is you change the pronouns and you change it from him to her. And it's equally applicable for single moms as it is for single dads. I'm passionate about single dads because there's so little support out right. there today for them. So I work with both. And one of the things that I find that's hardest is that our society has created a bias where it's difficult for men to ask for help. And right. so and- I'm excited about the opportunity of being a resource to help men realize that their feelings and needs matter just as much as anybody else's. And there's- Right, and I, and I remember, if I, if my, if I remember correctly, um, and one of the books in the course, in the Colony in the One course, um, I believe it was Wired for Dating. I'm not sure if you read that one. Or, yes, I did. No, um, How to Be an Adult in a Relationship. That was the one. And they were listing all these, like, 1970s, way of thinking where men had to be at home they you know people weren't allowed to see their child you know they took a child away and i just see a lot of men like repeating those patterns and not being available in the home and like it's been passed down over and over and over again and there's some belief that men don't shouldn't share open up and it's directly affecting men and their ability to like be have have help happy healthy relationships with their wives with their partners with their children so how what is what pitfalls do you run against when you're coaching men like what so, is that like when you're coaching men so i think you've scratched on the on a really sensitive topic mm-hmm. you're probably aware that over 70% of divorces are caused by are initiated by women right and and when you research that a little bit, it becomes, um, you become aware that it's because there's a lack of communication. Yes. There's a lack of sharing. There's a lack of connection. And in today's Me Too world and Me Too environment where women are learning, and there's a lot of support for this in the media and um, on TV and in movies, for women to show up and express their feelings and needs. And you don't see that on the same side for men. So there's very few role models for men to show right. up. And and underneath that 70% is as men are still in that we can tough it out. We have a tough upper lip. Okay, things aren't great, but we'll just keep working through it. You know, I'm here to pro- protect and provide and I'm going to do my job. So they're just plodding along in their feelings and their needs are not being expressed. And that's probably the thing that their relationship needs more than anything else 
is for them to show up as vulnerable and real. And then they can meet their partner halfway. Right. I mean, in your thoughts, like, why do you think men hold on to that idea so, like, tightly that if I express that I am weak, like, why do why do a lot of us, gay men included, like, why do men tend to hold on to this belief that if I show my full self and I am weak when it's exactly the opposite you know you have Brene Brown who all this years and years of research saying no actually vulnerability is a birth birthplace to access to real authentic power to have power to access to connection to people to have healthy relationships so what is that what is it that keeps men in your opinion holding on to this belief so tightly? <laughs> that is such a wonderful question. I, <laughs> uh, we could spend a whole podcast just <laughs> one question. Um, I think the short answer is that if you go back over the last several generations, it's been so ingrained in our society. It's been so ingrained in movies. It's been so ingrained in how parents raise their children. You know, when the boy falls off the bicycle as he's learning to ride, Mm -hmm. the parent is, oh, you're tough. You don't cry. Boys don't cry. You can do this. And that philosophy just permeates the culture in the home. It permeates the culture in the workplace. It permeates what we see in our comic book heroes, you know, all of our superhero movies and everything, the tough guy is not shown as being vulnerable and emotional. So mm-hmm. we're programmed. And, right. and then when we don't have the opportunity to practice being vulnerable, to know that our feelings and needs matter and it's okay to share them, right? it builds on itself. It becomes scarier and scarier to possibly show up with your feelings and your needs in a place where somebody can meet you. Right. And be authentic. Does that make sense to you? Do you agree with that? Um, I do. I, um, I find that, um, you know, being really accessing like, well, first of all, coaching has allowed me to really connect to a lot of different parts of me that I didn't know was available that was actually hindering me as a man. Um, and definitely, you know, didn't have those role models growing up, you know, um, right. that ex- you know, that exuded this sort of macho, that this vulnerable side. And I remember... Um, when I was in college, I had a mentor and he was the first man that like hugged and like he kissed me and I thought he was gay, but he wasn't gay. He was married. And then I saw he had a, a close friend. He was from Brazil and they both were very, very affectionate. I'd never seen men like that before. And I was like always questioning, but I, I but I loved it. It was something that I never saw before, but they had this ability to express. And I was like, God, I wish that 
I had that, so I, I became close with him, and I always look for those models. And it's great that you have this book, you know, to have that example. So there, you know, society has uh, a lot of images of men not <laughs> not expressing at all. And I, it's funny enough, I was talking about this with a friend of mine about the, the uh, movie. A Star is Born, and I said, you know, that movie of that man is exactly what has been reiterated of men. This man has an issue, and he's not talking to anyone. He's not expressing anything. He's uh, relying on alcohol to cope when it's not coping at all. He goes to rehab, and where's the help? And then he doesn't realize that that one dude who triggered him, like, sent him back so there's no support system around for men. And, you know, and it's important for people like you and me to to be these coaches and this example and writing books like, you know, Single Dad's Essential to be that example to to change that story. You know, so it's it's important for men now to change that story. Yeah, and and I think you touched on a just underneath what you said, there's this beautiful idea that we can help each other. Right. Especially in this coaching space. I I think another part of what is holding men back in terms of getting in touch with their feelings and their needs is we've also been programmed or Mm -hmm. uh, brainwashed and or encouraged not to ask for help, to just keep going. Just, yeah. And, and in, in this coaching work, I know that it was a huge opening for me because I was coached in the process of learning to be a coach. Right. And, and I came face to face with this stuff that I didn't know what I didn't know about myself. <laughs> right. You know, and, and it's amazing. I mean, Landmark, that's one of the key phrases from Landmark. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Landmark or not. Yeah. but um, and, and that was a huge eye opener to me that that we can be so involved in just going in our life, just going forward, playing the same stories and the same patterns over again, because we don't know what we don't right. know about ourselves. And that's the power of coaching. Yeah. You know, I think that meeting someone who you can feel safe and you can talk to and be honest and authentic about, then you can open up the door to learning about yourself Right. You don't know you don't know and getting to choice. And you have Absolutely. like real power. Yeah. Over those things. Like real, it's, well, I'm, yeah. Uh, I want to touch on something you just mentioned too. Like, so what was your experience of having a coach and how, how did it shift you in your life? Like by having a coach in your life? Um, I'm a different person. I mean, you know, I look at life, others, and myself completely differently now. Um, I'm a much happier, more centered, more enthusiastic uh, person than I was before. Mm-hmm. It's It's been an amazing, eye-opening experience to realizing that this is this is a journey and maybe there were better ways that i could have done things in the past but it doesn't really matter it's not right or wrong it's it's just learning mm-hmm. it's like i mentioned earlier when you fall down when you're learning to ride a bicycle it's not bad that you fell down 
it's an opportunity to learn and you get back on the bike <laughs> right things a little differently you fall down again but eventually you fall down and you figure it out right and then you can ride the bike well what a gift it is to realize that i don't have to feel bad about having done the best that i could in the past right i can leverage those golden nuggets of learning and do the best from this point forward and then coaching just opened my eyes to that in a way that let me be at peace and and happier about my life in general and opening up um the, real quick there's another part to this in terms of shifting from conscious uncoupling to calling in the one you know i went through the calling in the one process as well and i'm seven months into the most amazing relationship in my life right now yeah wow yeah as directly as a result of it and what happened is is that i up leveled myself so that i wow. wasn't showing up being limited by my false stories and my negative impressions about okay myself. so so i want to stop you so tell us like okay when you started doing the calling in the one process how were you showing up and um so going back to um you're calling in a one experience so you were saying you're going through the calling in one process so how are you showing up in life and what shifted for you what was it like the thing that's like oh my god i need to like make some changes and then how did you start to create yourself to being the person you need to be for your relationships now so that that's that you're really digging in here jimmy that's of a course. great that's a great question <laughs> podcast <laughs> give me the juice <laughs> yeah so so what i learned about myself was that i had in growing up had a wound that said that i wasn't good enough and i realized that my pattern in relationships was showing up in a way that i was overgiving and i was being attracted to women wonderful amazing women but that could use help they were going through difficult situations in their life and so i could show up as a knight in shining armor so to speak you know to help them out and then i could feel good because they were appreciating me mm-hmm. and so that helped me compensate for that inner wound of i'm not good enough and so in the calling in the one process as well as part of the conscious uncoupling process i learned that i am good enough and i that my self confidence skyrocketed and so that i don't have to prove anything to anybody i can just be me cuz it wasn't that things were right or wrong i was doing the best that i could And when I started showing up that way in life, I attracted a whole different kind so, of person into relationship with me. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper too cuz <laughs> calling in the one. So, when you were in that place of I am not good enough, what was the evidence that you were constantly looking for that showed up in that way versus when you discovered I am good enough like how did you start to generate yourself in that way so what i came to understand and again this is the power of coaching cuz i would never have seen this without working with a coach right and being able to have a mirror to help me see 
But it was through the process of looking at the patterns of my relationships and my failed past relationships that I identified a pattern. And this pattern then clued me in to doing some soul searching with the help of a coach, Mm -hmm. going back into my life and seeing that there were some events when I was younger that caused me to think that I wasn't good enough. And then from that place of assigning the meaning to those events, those events that I wasn't good enough, I was then able to see that it was just a story that I had created, that I had assigned this meeting in order to help me get by. Oh, and it helped me. It taught me a lot. It helped me get by. It helped me do well in school. I was an overachiever. I always had to prove myself so I got good grades. But what I learned with the help of the coach was that it really was a story. And the deeper truth is is that that was a meaning that I assigned as a result of somebody else showing up a certain way in my life. And it wasn't a true story. Right. So when I realized that it wasn't a true story, I could let go of that belief and that perspective on life. And what a healing, transformative experience that was. Right. You know, that's you know something that I have experienced too. Like, you know, I am not good enough. And, you know, the incident that happened for me is like, you know, my uncle, he, at, I think I was around eight years old. And he asked me to help him fix a car tire. And I was, you know, and I had no idea of how to fix a tire. Didn't even, didn't even teach me. He just told me to stick the thing in the thing. And I was just like trying to pump it up and I couldn't do it. And he called me a faggot and I literally like threw the thing down, cursed him out. And I just like ran away. And I just thought like, I am never good enough, you know? And that really permeated throughout my life. Like I felt like I could never do anything right. You know what I mean? I would never raise my hand in school. I would never, you know, at the time when I thought I was, you know, straight would ask, you know, straight that I would ask girls out or like, you know, participate in things, you know, I never thought I was good enough to be on teams, you know. And when I started to do this work through Landmark and when I did, definitely when I did Calling the One, it really got to the details, <laughs> the real, uh, like, the stones that we carry around with us and like really started to, well, I didn't even realize I could change that story. I don't think most people realize that they can change that story. They just believe like this is the way it is. And a lot of people do that. Yeah. I, I, I don't even think, I mean, again, this kind of goes in the space of they don't know what they don't know right. about themselves. They might not even know that the story is there. Right. And, and that's number one. And number two, one of the things that I absolutely love about Catherine Woodward's work and how we work in this space is that there's a process where you can identify the story, then you can face the story, mm-hmm. you embrace it, and then you can replace it. And, right. and it gets you to choice. You can take the good things that you've learned from life, from living that story, and then you can choose to use those good things in a different way, and you don't have to repeat the story or the pattern 
right. any, anymore because you get to choice. You get to choose, right. show up differently. Right. It's so powerful. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's literally what happened to me when I saw my story and my wound that I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And, and it changed me. It changed my life. And I'm in a completely different relationship at this point. And Emma, if you don't mind sharing, I remember like reading something, I highlighted this, um, you were saying, um, you know, all the many important and needed learning and growth opportunities that my former wife had, you know, with my kids had provided me. So what, like, you know, so how, how did that past relationship, what did you learn from that, that is really helping you succeed now in this current relationships? What was the lessons that you learned? I'm going to digress just for a moment because I want to share something really exciting with you that happened over the Christmas holidays for me. Okay, great. So we had, I never had the benefit of this work because I was divorced 21 years ago. Okay. And so I did a lot of things the way things were done at the time. And it was hard. It was uh, a little bit contentious. I shouldn't say a little bit. It was contentious. Uh, Co-parenting was difficult. There was a lot of hard feelings in both directions. So there was very poor communication. Um, and it the kids were kind of put in the middle. So when, when I talk about the things I talk about in my book, I'm talking about it from firsthand experience. Right. But as going through this, transformational process of conscious uncoupling and calling in the one work i feel that i was instrumental in healing the energy in my family so over the christmas holiday we were actually for the first time ever to get together with the four children and my former partner and celebrate the holiday together wow. in a way that was comfortable it was easygoing and wow. the animosity had let go. And I attribute a lot of that to my understanding of the fact that there was still, there had been for years, blame. There was um, making other people wrong and going back and forth. And through this process, I was able to let go of that all inside of myself. And I think that facilitated a letting go within the whole family unit. Mm. And it was just so beautiful that we could spend four days together, probably five or six hours a day, when we, in 21 years, we hadn't even spent more than two or three meals together. Mm. Wow. And, and so you asked the question about the patterns. Well, I was able to see how both of us were showing up from our own stories mm. and how both of us were creating by holding on to feelings and holding on to anger and holding on to hurt that we were causing this rift and getting to the point that the story that I wasn't good enough and I didn't have to prove anything. I could just let it be that it was as good as it could have been at the time. It's the best I knew how. Mm. And that made it okay to be authentic. Mm. Wow. Just really a tra life transformative process. And, and I, 
I can't tell you how wonderful it was for my children also, because we've all shared after the holiday how amazing it was to all be together like that and to be okay with it. I'm in a relationship. She's in a relationship. She's actually married. It's all good. Mm. And yet we could still be together and share the love and our life experiences with our children. Wow. You know, that's, that is such an inspiration to a lot of families that, I mean, you are an example of what is really possible to have in an uncoupling relationship, you know, um, you know, I see so many families struggle just trying to just do the day to day, you know, pick up the kids here, pick up the kids there. You know, I have a friend of mine um, who he's in a new relationship and his ex is just they're they're just difficult. I remember he was saying she came by his, you know, job and like, you know, crashed his car and had to get a whole new car. Like there's so much anger and so much animosity, you know, on that gets built up and held in and not, and neither parties aren't really taking responsibility of how they're causing that pain. And it's something you said too, that must have taken great courage for you or for anyone when you realize when you're making someone wrong in a relationship, it really just dampens and and destroys a relationship when you're constantly making your partner wrong. Oh, and it's 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 so deep. I mean, there's a whole other way to look at it. In a way, you could then ask the question, what am I protecting? What am I running away from? What am I hiding when I'm making that other person wrong? Right, yes. What, what is it that's not being said? What what authenticity is missing mm, that, yes. that is creating this difficult situation? And and how am I the cause of that? Mm. Um, really, uh, it's a different way of showing up when you're in relationship, when you can be sensitive and aware that that there's a gift in that space of that anxiety or that hurt or that anger um i have one more thing to say about that that i feel that is a big gift one of the things i learned through this process is is that anger anxiety and stress is like you holding on to a hot burning coal and the only person it's burning is yourself Mm. It's not burning the other person. It's not hurting anybody else, but it's hurting you and ripping you apart. Mm. So how beautiful could it be if you could let go and forgive yourself and just acknowledge that it was a learning experience. I fell down. I'm going to make an amends to myself. Right. I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to go forward. And then you can let go of that burning coal and you stop burning yourself. Right. And that's one of the beautiful things about calling into one. You start, and when people do landmark, you start to distinguish, well, this just happened and this is the meaning that I've made. So this really doesn't exist. That all that happened is I picked up hot coals. I'm burnt. That's all that happened. I can move forward. You know, that is just 
such a gift to have that within you that it save you a lot of time, pain, and anger. Um, so yeah, and, p- and people can hold on to that coal or that anger for years <laughs> right. and years. They do. I mean, I, I have a relationship. In 20 years, there was anger that was back and forth that was difficult. Right. I had an event uh, recently and, you know, talking to this young lady and she was like, you know, I, I'm not ready to date. I've been, I'm still angry at the relationship from two years ago. And I was like, mm, girl, you're choosing to hold on to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, and everybody who's coming after that, you're punishing them. So it's, wow. Um, I'm so grateful for hey. this work. Even even to just run with that a little bit more. Yeah, go ahead. The, the thing that you're holding on to is you're making them wrong so you right. can feel better about yourself. Right. So you're avoiding facing your part in whatever right. happened and owning. It's easier to be the victim. Yes, you prefer to be the victim. So so holding on to that coal is necessary for you to be the victim. Yep, I'm holding on. You know. Yes. People, we, a lot of, and sometimes me too, like we don't want to be responsible of how we treat people and we leave people. It just, um, and and a lot of times I find that we just don't want to look. We just don't want to look inside at the pain that we cause others. Um, And again, like going back to what you say, you know, it, it, or I assert that it just takes really great courage to really look and own up and to admit and once you do like it's such a great it's such great relief <laughs> um that happens there's a, a line and call uh and the return to love and she says you know uh love doesn't heal love is there to shine the light on the things that are blocking you from having more love and once you heal that then you can expand yourself to love even more. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We all have our own journey and our path. And my amazing Aunt Harriet (laughs) gave me that book and it changed my life. It opened me up to so many different perspectives. And like you said, welcoming in the love and to be able to look at yourself Mm-hmm. And also to be able to forgive others. Because many times they're not doing it on purpose. We're taking it as on purpose. They're just showing up in the best way that they can. And, be, and if we can show up from a loving perspective, we can see how they're doing the best they can in the circumstances and not take it personally. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, so... What brings you joy when you're coaching? Like what what lights you up when you're coaching a client and they're and they're and they're getting it? Like what brings you joy by coaching? <laughs> it's it's a wonderful experience to literally be there and creating an opportunity for someone to heal themselves mm. and create a new identity and create a new future for themselves. And it happens right in front of your eyes. So it's an honor to be sharing this journey with them and, and to, to see how 
their life changes because there's an aha that happens for them. There's a shift in their identity. And then all of a sudden you hear about how things in their life are changing, how their relationships are changing, how things at work are changing, uh, how their connection with their children are changing. It's such a beautiful, heartwarming uh, experience to be sharing that with people. Um, to, to help someone sometimes through a conscious uncoupling process and at the end of it they're a different person and then they recouple with their partner because all of a sudden they've realized that this is an important part of their life and yet they change how they were showing up how life how they were causing some of the problems in the relationship and it opens up a whole new possibility for them yeah. it's not the same old relationship going forward but it's a whole new um a, a newly created relationship with new agreements and new joys and it's beautiful well um do you find as a coach that it's hard to be around your friends sometimes and you you know because i find as a coach you hear things differently and you don't want to coach your friends and family all the time. So how do you maintain, you know, that without like always inserting um, coaching techniques or anything like that? Um, how do you, how do you deal with, you know, being around your friends and family? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting for me because I've had to learn that my, um, wound that I had suffered earlier in my life of I'm not good enough mm. was showing up in a way that, oh, I have these tools and now I can help people. So now I can show how good I am, mm. which is just a manifestation of yes. the I'm not good enough showing up all over again. And right. so it was a wonderful learning opportunity for me to learn that I need to ask. Yes. You know, and so... In conversations with people, I'm in relationship or friends or whatever, I've started, well, I have become acutely aware of when I start to shift into wanting to make a suggestion or want to shift into coaching mode. And so then I kind of take a deep breath and I just kind of say, well, I don't know if you were interested or not, but I may have some advice about this particular topic if you're interested but if you're not that's fine i'm happy we just move on and so i open up the possibility but i'm not attached to whether or not they're interested in maybe getting some insights or not does great. that yeah yeah well yeah and that's really great you know just me the same way of learning to detach from that and like just being committed to the friend instead of being the coach you know um and that's been a huge lesson for me um because you just want to just get in there and like <laughs> you know help them but you know yeah, yeah you, i have learned how to ask um what one of the most difficult aspects of that for me was with my children mm, because as a parent you know, over the years, you, you take on this role of support and teacher and advisor. 
And so as they grow up, you have to let go and let go more and more and let more and more. Right. And so I've literally had to become really conscious of that for my children mm. because they're adults now. My children are older and I have to respect them as individuals and their journey. Mm. And so I've given them complete permission to say, hey, dad, you're slipping into coaching. <laughs> right. Not a good time. <laughs> not in, not interested right now. Right. And I say, thank you for telling me. And I just let it go. It's so interesting you say that. I was listening to you. My mom sent me some old tapes by Tony Robbins and his pop. Uh, it's called Power Talk or something like that. I can't remember. He was even saying how he was struggling with his son. And his son, he was having a difficult time with his son. And and he had to learn. He was like, okay, I need to learn how to back off and let him come to me. And he said, you know, um, he just asked. He said, hey, what do you want to do today? Instead of asserting what he should be doing with his life, he asked him, what do you need support with? What do you need? And so when his son was saying things, he had to like listen and not coach him what he should be doing, but only be that support. And he said it really changed his life with his son. Um, and now his son comes to him because he is allowing his son to come to him and not uh, forcing his coaching right. on his son. Yeah. So, so I think that's another beautiful aspect of this journey that you and I have been on with Catherine Woodward Thomas through this work. And that is, is that it's okay to meet people where they are. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to fix them. We don't have to make them right or wrong. We don't have to make it better or worse. We right. Can just meet them where they are. Right. And be grateful for who they are. Yeah. And respect, respect their journey. And yet, we're on our own journey. And so right. if there's some way that we can help them and they're interested, then fantastic. But if they're not interested, then they're completely empowered to learn and take their journey their way. Yeah, right, right. So I'm coming to the end. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and let me know what comes to mind. So what does a life of love mean to you? A life of love... So I think there's three different important aspects to a life of love. One is loving myself enough to take care of myself, mm. to respect my needs and my health issues, and to have boundaries about how I'm going to let other people treat me mm. and how I'm going to treat other people. Yes. <laughs> and, and then there's the aspect of love with other people. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned about love with other people right now is to meet them where they are and mm. just to to accept and love people for who they are and the way that they show up. So and, good, yeah. And, and, and that then creates in my personal partnership relationship, it creates an opening for a much deeper connection that I've never had before and I'm experiencing it now in my relationship and it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, I'm learning so and, much from you. <laughs> and, the, and then the third piece of that is life, right? Mm -hmm. What does love in life look like? Well, it shows up as gratitude that I woke up this morning 
Mm -hmm. I'm not one of the one million people who died last night in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm here and I have an opportunity to experience and to learn and to grow and to love. And so I can step deeper into a loving of life and knowing that life has my back and that that I'm supported on this journey and that everything happens for a reason. So, right. so loving life is is and letting life love me by how I how I respond to it. Do you have a daily practice of gratitude? I do. I have a daily meditation that I do every every day. Um, <laughs> sometimes I do it at one in the morning because I refuse to go to bed without doing my my daily commitment oh, wow. to myself. <laughs> um, and and it involves a centering and a connecting and just being at peace, which allows me to have a lev a level where I become able to to understand when life throws me a curveball, when my button gets pushed, when my emotions start to rise, because I can feel the difference between when I'm centered mm. and when I'm not centered anymore. It's so interesting, like, as you say that, I, as I, you know, also have a, a meditation and gratitude practice, but I can, since I've been doing it so much, I can tell the moment when I am off. And I literally sometimes will stop in the middle of wherever I am and take a couple of breaths to yeah. like connect. Beautiful. Because <laughs> you can tell when you have that practice. It makes a huge difference in your life. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so, and, and what a gift that is. Right. So how do you get out of your own way as a coach? Well, you know, one of the things I've learned through this whole process is, is that it's okay to ask for help, right? Mm. If I realize that I'm stuck sometimes and just taking a deep breath and a pause isn't enough. I have people like you and other coaches that I've become close to through the process and I reach out and I make a phone call. Yeah. And I say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this. I'm, I'm out of sorts. I'm off center. Can you help me dig in and maybe learn a little bit about what I don't know about this situation, what I don't know about myself in this situation? Wow. That's so wonderful, man. That's so wonderful. And so what is the secret to coaching that you wish people knew about? Well, Sometimes people are under the impression that therapists or psychiatrists or whatever, it's just about talking it out. Mm -hmm. I think the beauty about coaching is it's a little bit like going to the gym. <laughs> yes. I, I could go to the gym and coach somebody at the gym, but I can't do the exercises for them. Right. I can't build their muscles. And the work that I do as a coach is to help them see which emotional muscles, which spiritual muscles, and maybe even some physical muscles that are important for them to focus on in their life, to build up and to grow 
themselves to be happier and healthier in their life. And in order to do that, you need to ask the gym coach for help, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you need to ask another kind of coach for help in whether it's calling in the one or it's divorce or relationships or career. It's okay to ask for help. And then don't be scared by doing the work. Yes. Sometimes it's going to be a little hard. Sometimes it's going to push you outside your comfort zone, just like the coach in the gym does. Give me 10 more push-ups, you know? So in the work that we do, sometimes we ask people to look in the space that's a little bit scary or a little bit hard. But when you go in and you go through it and you come out the other side, oh, what a relief it is. You know, it's, it's really... Uh, <laughs> Uh, aren't you speaking the truth and my last question is what does a juicy love life look like to you wow so (laughs) it's about having a level of connection that provides sharing of life so Mm -hmm. whether it's taking a walk going to the movies, doing family or holiday events together, struggling, sharing a problem, sharing a concern, or being intimate and kissing and just snuggling. You're now connected in a way that you know that that other person is just meeting you and accepting you for who you are. Mm. I feel like that is so wonderful and juicy in the space that you feel whole and complete. And many times the rest of life in the world disappears for a few moments while you're in that happiness space of just enjoying life with that other person. Wow. Um, really, really showing up There's an amazing book, um, Sexual Energy Ecstasy. It's kind of a combination between the Far East and the West. And in it, it talks about the power of being naked. Well, it's really the emotional nakedness that you can show up authentically as yourself in a relationship Mm. without acting, without, with the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and the, I got us and and the self-judgment going on in your head, just showing up naked authentically as yourself that creates this space for a really intimate, wow, ju- juicy connection. That's uh, I need to read that book. <laughs> and lastly, where can people find you online? So thank you for asking. I have a website. It's gregwheelercoaching.com. One word. G-R-E-G-W-H-E-E-L-E-R coaching C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot com gregwheelercoaching.com and my book you can find a link to my book there and uh, some really what I think are uh, interesting and and powerful testimonials great so Greg Uh, thank you so much you want to say something? yeah I was just going to say that um The first meeting for a half an hour would be free with somebody in terms of meet and greet and getting to know each other. So uh, that's, there's no pressure up front just to 
con- connect. Okay, great. So Greg, this was, I mean, I'm so glad that I got a chance to do this with you and thank you for agreeing to be here. And I'm just so grateful for, I feel like I've learned so much from you um, by having this conversation with you and thank you. And I look forward to um, connecting with you again and sharing this podcast with you. And thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much, Jimmy. It's been an honor. Yes, it's been a beautiful you. experience, and I, I really get how much you care and are help and are excited about helping people. Yes, have happier and healthier lives. So yes. I look thank forward to doing it again whenever you'd like. Yes, me too. Me too. Definitely, because I want to read your book, <laughs> and I want to talk about that. <laughs> okay, that'd be great. Okay. Hey guys, so don't forget to subscribe on Instagram at Jimmy Allen and Twitter, simply Jimmy. And don't forget to rate, rate, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me. This is Jimmy Allen with Crazy Juicy Love.